welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Welcome to Music Life Radio. My name is Eric Hoare, and I'm here with Frank Castro. Frank spent 21-plus years in the California prison system, and one of the things he was able to do there was start music programs for the inmates, and today he's going to be talking to us about that experience, and I believe he started in Ironwood. So, uh, Frank, can you tell us a little bit about some of your early years, what your musical influences were growing up? Earlier is in childhood. Um, you know, it's interesting. The first instrument I ever played before guitar was, a, was an accordion. And not my first choice um, was my mother's choice. Um, I you know, played, my, my mom played accordion. Did she really? In a marching band. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to march it the hell out of my, my, my home. I didn't like it, but was actually kind of good at it. My brother, who also played, loved it, and, and it was really horrible. But that was short-lived, thankfully. And um, I also I grew up in an in a all-white neighborhood. We're a mixed family, and so my influences at the time in the 60s and 70s were the good old rock and roll, and that's always, that's been my main source of musical taste and enjoyment and where I find my center, and the good old classic rock and roll of the 60s and the 70s and stuff like that. Did you go to see a lot of shows when you were a kid? Because you were living down in L.A., which is kind of the, the hub of... Exactly. Um... You know, I got to see Led Zeppelin, and that was huge. That's my always been my favorite band. But even in in uh, late seventies and early eighties, seen a lot of the you know you had the whiskey and Gazaris on the Strip, and so I got to see a lot of the Guns and Roses and Motley Crue and, and the big hair bands like that, and um, that that was pretty cool. Cool. So when did you actually pick up the guitar for the first time? When was not until two thousand four. And I was already in a California prison. You got into rock and roll, and rock and roll took you places that you probably shouldn't have gone. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, with the rock and roll comes the, the you hear the phrase drug, sex, and rock and roll. And that was not only in the music, but it was received by me and wholeheartedly. And it, it gave me, you know, music and all the accessories, if you will. Uh, gave me a sense of security and freedom that I didn't have in my own life. And so when it came to, you know, things like relating with girls, I felt better if I was on drugs and we had the music blasting, I felt a little more comfortable. And so other things that I wanted in my life felt more accessible because I was involved in drug, sex, and rock and roll. Well, and the, the music kind of gave the message too. Yeah, yeah, and, and so if I'm hearing that message, the folks around me are hearing that message, and we're all like a community, if you will, and I feel better about them and me, and yeah. even my place within them. So and the challenge is some people it's a, a phase, and then some people it's a wrong turn. Yeah. Um, I, well, I have noticed that my early years, my teen years, and even in my early 20s, with the music, I was listening to the instruments primarily, mm. the rhythm. The, the, the stops, the starts, all the, the structural stuff. And lyrics, while they were there, they provided more a, a different instrument 
to me. I didn't really pay attention to too many lyrics until I got older. Okay. So what were some of the really the, the concerts that really stand out to you when you were out there? Um, well, aside from the one Zeppelin that I went to, I had a lot of... We had REO Speedwagon, we had Ted Nugent, ZZ Top, Guns N' Roses, uh, all the big hair bands, Poison, um, Motley Crue, um, was it LA Guns? Yeah, I remember that. LA yeah. Guns. Um, oh, Joan Jett. I was a big Joan oh, Jett. She's great. Uh, just, I love that woman. And uh, uh, Pretenders. Um, wasn't a big, uh, what do you call it, the new wave stuff? Yeah. I was anti-new wave when that first came out. I had to be just, if it wasn't rock and roll and had denim and leather, it wasn't it wasn't music and I was a, a rock and roll snob, if you will. And for, for the listeners, is there was a time when classic rock wasn't called classic rock. It was just <laughs> rock and roll. I mean, people forget that because I grew up when... It was just rock and roll. You'd listen to the radio, it'd be ACDC, it'd be... ACDC, you know, All that stuff. And, and uh, you know, it'd be these heavy, great rock bands. And then there was a shift. And suddenly, like, now it's it's called classic rock. Right. But to me, that's still my childhood. Right. And didn't Ozzy Osbourne just play? Yeah, he just played uh, the... I think of the Oracle. Yeah, and see all those groups like that, all the heavy stuff, too. The, um, Rainbow and, and, and Richie Blackmore and stuff like that. I'm forgetting so much more, but there's a lot. A lot of that stuff where you got grit, where you got growl, um, oozing with sex and drugs. And it seemed like a lot of that music was almost instructional. Oh, God, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, we can't talk about this without bringing Motorhead. Yeah, oh, did, definitely. Did you ever get to see them? Yes. That was, I saw them about 25 years ago. They were opening, well, it was funny. Black Sabbath was opening for, for Motorhead at the Warfield. Wow. And, as it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just epic, absolutely epic. It's amazing. And he was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, he, yes. Oh, definitely. You know, he he lived the dream, and he rock. You know, it's like a, I love that he was able to rock all the way to the end. Pretty much, it's pretty amazing. So, so then at one point you started getting a little bit of trouble. Yeah, then, I, you know, ingested more drugs. Okay. Uh, experimenting, uh, amplifying. And then life got in the way and trying to be a normal person. Still don't know what normal it is, but tried to find that track in my life and maintain the drugs. And at some point, it no longer became manageable and life came crashing down. So then Ironwood, was that your first stop on that ride? As far as a long time stay in prison, yeah. Okay. It was actually the second prison I went to but I was there for nearly 13 years. Okay. And when we talk about picking up the guitar in 2004, I had been in prison for close to 10 years at that point. Wow. And and still using. So what kept you, you know, by, by using, it's, he's talking about using, using drugs. whatever drugs were available at the time, I guess. And there's, there's quite a bit in prison. So. so what kept you going through that time period? I mean, did it, was there much music to even listen to in there? Or? Well, you have... Uh, CDs and radio okay. and stuff like that. Everybody's got a collection. Right. It's all it's all uh, CDs and tapes. There's even eight tracks still in prison and cassette tapes. Wow. I don't know if anybody's ever seen those out here. Any of the kids ever know what they've been like? But 
that's mainstay in prison, and, and you guard it and you hold it, and a lot of guys tend to play the old stuff. Uh, very few, unless they're young, uh, bring anything newer out. But up until the time when I first picked up a guitar, I would, you know, I'm going to be honest, it was, I'd allowed myself to, to lose hope in prison. And drugs helped with that. You know, I didn't like losing hope. And if uh, I have no hope about my future or myself, then I can continue to treat myself poorly and uh, others bad. So I isolated from my family. I stopped writing them as much. Stopped um, paying attention to my sons as much. And uh, I even mentioned to you about getting a, a letter from my son Anthony. And, mm -hmm. and it had the start of a song, some lyrics to a song. And I remember, uh, I was happy to get the letter. I opened it up, seeing that there were lyrics. And I look back now, and I realize I knew there were lyrics of, of stuff that he was trying to express to me, but I was not in a place where I could read it, folded it up, put it away, don't want to deal with it. And that's what my life was up until uh, I started exploring music on my own. Was it pretty hard to even connect to a life outside when you were in there? Yeah, I was I was physically removed, and uh, I wanted to I wanted everything else to be removed. Okay. Um, so that way, if I think about what's going on in the world, then all my head will spin about it, and I didn't want that. So I let me just separate myself in every way from the world, and drugs provided that that barrier too. But it also kept me away from myself. So how did you wind up even coming across guitar in prison? Um, one of the guys that I would get drugs from, okay. we ended up being cellies. Uh, in other words, uh, we share a two-man cell together. He had a, an extensive amount of prison time. And this guy was a, a uh, country, dripping old country, twangy guitar player. All right. That's his acoustic. Uh, um, um, I understand he played bluegrass, too. All oh, the old nice. school stuff. That, and he was very knowledgeable. And he wanted to start a music program initially just so he can get guitar strings. That was it. Okay. And so he constructed all the framework with how to do it and found some other guys that were also players. Uh, we had a guy that uh, was a good guitar, uh, electric guitar player. We had a guy that his family was somehow connected with funk music and he played uh, bass, a slap bass, and mm, nice. funk sound. And uh, he found a core of guys that had extensive experience with music before coming to prison and didn't have a way to play it here. So he got them rallied around and then pulled in me. I'm a celly and I was working in the prison in an administrative function, typing and doing stuff like that. Okay, now skill-wise... Organizational you? stuff, that's what he wanted me for. Okay, but I mean, did you have any like chops at all at that point? Or? No, I hadn't even touched a guitar. Okay, so up to this point, it was Never. just the accordion. Yeah, which just I doubt you would find an accordion in prison. Um, or would you? You might, you might, you might. But, All right. Uh, but at that point, so I have no no experience with the guitar. We start getting this thing together, and so I'm basically there to put stuff down on paper because we have to sell this to the prison. Okay. And we All have right. to make, and this is a new prison, so we have to make it to where the prison likes it, and prison doesn't like just giving the guys that it's holding captive stuff. Oh, I can see that, yeah. So I have to uh, figure out a way to appeal to the administration. So how did you, what, how did you approach that? Um, their vanity. I just 
found a way to sell it is you know what if you help us with this program that we're going to self-support um, and it fails it's our failure okay if it succeeds then you get to get your picture in the paper of the local paper promote yourself within CDC nice and 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 show our smiling faces but you get to take the credit for it okay and my thinking was I could give a crap about what you do. We're just trying to get some music here. But it's smart. I mean, you offered them a win-win. Exactly. I needed to uh, find out what appeals to them. And that worked out. Uh, it was a long road, though, because even the organizational stuff, getting equipment into the prison is not easy. You don't just... sounds easy to get to prison, but uh, other things like uh, guitars and basses and amps, uh, they got to find a way in, and there's a whole convoluted process so I had to learn that. And I'm still not playing a guitar at that point. Okay. And when they f we finally get equipment in, um, we had to find a way to pay for it. So we got approval to do some fundraisers, contact a, a pizza place. Hey, can you sell us pizzas at a reduced rate? And we can, we can uh, almost guarantee you that we'll sell a thousand of these pizzas. So these pizzas that they would sell. Where for are like, you selling the pizzas? I'm trying to. Like, on the prison, they would deliver a truck oh, to the seriously? prison. Oh, seriously? Okay. And uh, what we would do is announce it ahead of time and tell you if you take this money off your books and, and pay for this pizza, yeah. it'll be delivered on this date. Oh wow! So that's a whole nother process. This is and pretty so this complicated. So this $10 pizza is going to cost the guy in prison 17 to 25 dollars. Right. And of that, we're going to get our little couple bucks out of it. And and the idea is hopefully enough guys buy it so those couple bucks adding up and at the end we'll get a significant amount of money we can go and buy equipment that wow. comes back to self-supporting our our cause and that was tough and we had to do that over and over before we had enough money to buy initial equipment you got to sell a hell of a lot of pizza to, to buy a lot guitar of pizzas amp. a lot of sales it was work but when we finally got to the point to where we got one yard, there were four yards there, one yard got $6,000 worth of equipment. Wow. We got a little bit of a price break through one of the companies. And that was a drum kit, a four-string bass, a five-string bass, two or three electric guitars, a couple acoustic guitars, some strings, and drumsticks. Oh, and, and the associated mic cords and a, and, and a PA and stuff. And huh. we also... So, I'm got, assuming this must have taken a couple of years to pull all this together. I mean, yeah, this, this is, is about, wow, a two-year process. Oh, and okay. within that, changing the culture of the prison guards and the inmates, which wasn't easy. So, I want to take a kind of a, take a little tangent right now, because... We, we've talked about this before, and you, you talked about growing up in an all-white neighborhood, but right. in prison, you were what was called an other. Other, yeah. Can you talk about what that means in prison and just the whole context yeah. of it? Yeah, and actually that fits in with everything that um, my ex Sully or my Sully at the time, the other reason he brought me in, organization skills, and I was another. I'm not Mexican, I'm not black, I'm not white, which is like being Republican or Democrat in the in the elections here. Right. I'm one of the other ones that nobody really knows about, but I still exist. And so I'm not part of a bigger group, which they have problems with in prison. Big groups means uh, safety in numbers, movement and illegal stuff and, and things like that. The others tend to, and they can be composed of 
Pacific Islanders, traditionally a lot of the different Asian folks and Native Americans and stuff. And the numbers are so small. And when you have smaller numbers in prison, you tend to watch your behavior because you don't have a whole lot of backup if you do things that aren't uh, appreciated by bigger groups. Well, I can see where you wouldn't want to lose your temper. Yeah, and if you, you know. do, you want to make sure it counts because you're going to get in a fight, and if anybody's got backup, it's a, it's, it becomes a numbers game out right. of the prison yard, and that that's, tends to be unsafe. But I had a pretty good track record of conducting myself, and so being another meant that I can also talk with blacks, Mexicans, and whites, where I didn't have this blockage, which in prison... Um, they promote racism, not just right. the, the guys in blue, the inmates, uh, the guys in green, the, the guards. Right. It works for them if we hate each other. So blacks may not talk to whites, or there are Mexicans may not do business with blacks, or and that type of thing. Okay. I mean, I'm just, and I'm I don't know enough, but I mean, I'm assuming that even for them to be seen talking to one another could be a bad thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it varies from prison to prison, from level to level. Okay. The higher security levels versus the lower security levels, and even within the same prison, from yard to yard, and it even gets on the same yard from building to building. So it's, it's a complicated dynamic unless you spend a considerable amount of time, you don't really see the nuances. And seeing those nuances keeps me uh, from getting in trouble okay. with them, even though I get to do my extracurricular stuff. So in a sense, you get to almost, I mean, it's kind of an interesting position to be in because they're basically in, inside groups. So they, that, that's where their focus is, staying inside that group. Right and looking at it from those angles but you you almost get to see like a bigger picture yeah as, and i get to be outsider. the grout in the tiles okay i get to move between people yeah so now getting back to the music program and when it begins now we got to find a way to because we sold this as we're going to include all the races okay so we sold it as that i have to i have to help deliver that now, did you have people on board who were from all the different groups? All the musicians. We only had a core of about three or four musicians who had experience. Okay. And so we have to get this solidified before we can sell it to the population, the inmate population. Okay. So, so we know it's, and this actually helped me, because the musicians showed me that music is going to transcend all the, the BS right. of the racism. And when I seen that, I had to figure out a way, how can I sell this to the arts? And so I had to go to whoever was the in the hierarchy of a certain population and address, you know, get a, a meeting, if you will. It, okay. it sounds funny as I say it to you, but I No, it makes sense though. I mean it really I had to talk to the guy. Right. And I had to say, hey, we we want to start a music program. Uh, we want to draw musicians from everywhere all the different flavors if you will but we have to be able to play together in order for this to work they won't the administration right. won't let us do it we've got equipment we can teach guys how to do it we've got to find a way to establish common ground and this is a tough conversation to have when i'm talking to a guy who is part of a group who just had a riot with another group two months ago and we're all locked down for a month well wow. makes a tough sell yeah so 
what ended up happening is we found a you know a room that we're going to use much like the room we're sitting in here now mm -hmm. and the idea was in the visiting rooms anytime we go to visits everybody's in there and everybody's on their best behavior so I suggested why don't we treat this room as the visiting room okay everybody's okay to mingle with everybody else as long as it's music related you do your thing and when you cross that threshold you're back on the yard all the prison rules and regulations that are unwritten exist and it sounded good in theory and every faction if you will bought it right but the application the practical application was rocky and so there was a lot of tension a lot of difficulty and then I found out musicians tend to have some egos <laughs> and that was and now I'm starting to play guitar too and so I'm getting an eye-opener with the, the prison thing and the musician thing I'm like oh my god this is this is tough and it was it distracted me from my how I mired myself into um, checking out of life and staying hopeless now I'm involved in an activity that uh, is consuming and is actually being purposeful giving me a little bit of meaning and purpose in my life and I don't even realize it and I'm starting to play the guitar and I'm playing the guitar being taught by what I look and when I look back now some very skilled musicians yeah very skilled musicians and they're working together for a common good and it really helped me in ways that I hadn't really um, examined until now it's really an incredible opportunity I mean just to be in that space I mean not that that's a space where anybody want to go to just to get this but I mean to have that kind of talent and, and have these people pulling it together and be in the position where you're in where you're actually managing right. it and, and getting access to all this is pretty amazing you know the uh, the ego part actually I found out worked in my favor because there was three or four of us once we got the group going and the idea was you're gonna have a core of experience guys then a waiting list for people that want to get in and as we have um, space because we're limited on space um, to get guys to learn how to play guitar or keyboard or drums or whatever as we get space and you move up well it's a high-level security place guys are in there for a long time it's hard to move up right but the guys that were beginners like me in bass and guitar well what happened is when it came time to preparing for concerts because the idea is to bring oh, concerts. So you were going to do concerts yeah in the, that's super cool and now everybody who's learning they want to learn how to shred they want to learn how to do the the, the face melting solos you see and Betty Van Halen and all that stuff and all I wanted to do was learn how to strum the damn guitar and so I I focused everything on rhythm and where that benefited me is we had probably about five different groups we had an, an R&B group a jazz group a country group a rock group uh, um, I guess you'd call it cumbia or ranchero a lot of the, the oh, yeah, yeah. Mexican the Spanish-speaking fellows yeah. would play and um, there was a couple other groups an oldies group and nobody wanted to play rhythm well that's all I did so my first year of playing guitar was playing all these different rhythms just really cool because I'm, I'm like you I'm a rhythm guy like I love rhythm and I never I can't wrap my head around lead yeah 
you know, but I know what you're talking about. That's where most people want, most people want to be under the spotlight. And, right. And in the noodle zone, you know, it's... And I found out there's a lot to be done there. I, it, getting involved helps with music, helped me learn to appreciate all music. Yeah. Now jazz becomes more interesting. Country music became way more interesting. And I started looking at older country and the newer country and even bluegrass. Mm -hmm. And even the, the cumbia and the ranchero I was playing with the, with the, the Mexican guys. I enjoyed playing with them in the concerts. Was oh. I listening to the music when we weren't playing? No, but I was enjoying it and having fun. So you got to play rhythm and all these different types of... That's yeah. really amazing opportunity because, I mean, you know, most people would never get opportunities like that on the outside. Right. Just because most people wouldn't even probably put themselves out there like that. But The punk rock group. I was playing with the punk rock group. Yeah. In fact, part of selling this and getting people to play together was I convinced our punk rock group, which had... Uh, four white guys that look like skinheads. I'm not going to say they were. They look like, you know, you get the right. whole stereotypical thing. But I got them to bring the dreadlocked uh, funk bass player over to play bass for them. Wow. And play bass the way he wanted to. And after some some weeks of growing pains with this, they heard their new sound on their old traditional punk rock songs. Right. And they they were they were on a musical high, and they could not stop creating songs with this guy. Wow! And it, it caused uh, kind of a, a good and a bad stir within the yard that I was on, because the good thing is they had a lot of enthusiasm and tried to get their friends on board to appreciate it, and that was a tough sell because one that was another one of those we just had a two day riot, and we've all been locked up hating wow. everybody for two months and without being able to go buy our stuff at the store or go outside and so i'm you know i gotta have somebody to be mad at for this wow and and it's it's just a it's a difficult time to to do all that so then in the midst of all this is when you start getting clean then is that yeah i, I picked up at 2004 guitar okay and uh i didn't start uh, my recovery actually abstinence till 2006 yeah. but one of the things I found out is they're real similar it's like the the hardest things I've ever done but I appreciate the doing and the process and the more I do the more I learn the better I get at it and I get feedback too um, when I'm feeling good mm -hmm. and relaxed uh, I enjoy the the sound the guitar makes when I'm playing it when I'm anxious and I don't feel so good, it doesn't matter what my I think my hands are doing. It just doesn't sound right, and I don't get as much pleasure from it. But even something as simple as holding a acoustic guitar up against my chest and feeling that uh, those vibrations on that that back panel that did something for me. That um, it's always going to resonate if to use that word, which mm -hmm. is what it's doing. And uh, I'll always appreciate that. That was kind of a uh, a calming, peaceful, centering feeling when I first started playing. So I wasn't making anything that sounded coherent, but I enjoyed just having the instrument up against my body. Well, it's it's kind of cool what you're talking about because I think about in the process of addiction, it's a process of giving up, giving up, giving up. 
and people surrender so many things that they love. And it was really cool where you were in a position where you were getting something you didn't realize you were getting that seemed to open you up enough to take that next step. Yeah, it, it, it helped me actually connect with me in a way I'd never, I'd never really thought much about me. I did, up until that point in my life, all I did was avoid me. I was going to avoid the real world and I'm going to avoid me. And this, I think, was my first glimpse of doing something different and not just playing guitar. I think, and the other thing it did do is now I have a guitar, um, which I wore out after a year, but now I have a guitar, I have something I can lose. Mm, so it okay. also attaches to my behavior in prison. Because now my, my drug seeking behavior, my violence in prison, all the things that I'm doing that can get me in trouble, now I kind of care about them because I have something they can take away that is really now it's near and dear to my heart. And when there's something that you can take away from me, I may change my behavior so I can protect it. Yeah, because you went from nothing left to lose to exactly. finding a, a, a new love, a, a passion. I don't care about anything or anybody. Now I got something I care about. Okay. And that, that's significant. It's huge. I bet that had, a, did that have a, do you see that having a similar effect on some of the other inmates that you were doing the program with, where they were just... Um, definitely. We had one of the kids in the punk rock group. We had a period of time where we changed wardens. And so the new warden just summarily chopped our program off. Oh, wow. So we had to try and get to his level. And it's not easy to say, hey, can I, can I talk to the warden? Right. So I actually did just that. I wrote the letter, uh, a letter directly to the warden. Didn't think I was going to get anything back. And got word back about a week later, says the warden wants to talk to you and your group on this date and time. And so we scrambled and we can only get five guys together and one of the kids, and he was the last one to address the warden. And we were worried about this kid because he was still doing things. Right, right. And he was real young and you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. And he just laid it out there. He just, hey warden, don't know you. Can't say I like you or don't like you, but since I've been in this group, I've been talking to black guys, and I haven't been doing dope. <laughs> just like that. And a couple of us just sat there in our seats and just kind of cringed. <laughs> but the warden's face, after his look of shock wore off, I could watch him process, and he's like, all right, you guys are back on. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty yeah. cool. Sometimes the... Uh, the cold hard uh, fact of what it is doing um, when you just throw it out there is appreciated and that that message was received by all of us too yeah that's pretty powerful um, now you said you were we were talking earlier you said that after you wore the guitar because you played the frets too hard you just literally wore them down yeah is is uh, let people know what you did after that because okay. I think this is well um, I had a acoustic electric and I've been as beautiful guitar and my first year after I learned your, your basic cowboy chords, all the chords at the end of the mm -hmm. neck, all the open chords, I just, I loved the sound of having the medium strings on because they were a little fuller. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to strum chords, I would just, just the grip I had uh, was, I would overplay it, I guess you would call it, or squeeze it too hard. Mm -hmm. And so I'd wore the frets out to where it was unplayable. And so it was time for me to get a new one. And that 
create a little bit of stress because you know got to pay for it right uh, but when it came time to send mine home I sent it to my son Anthony who was living in Illinois at the time actually he still lives there now and I sent it to Anthony he had it refretted and he learned to play guitar on that same guitar and what's interesting is when I first came into prison uh, I think I talked about getting a letter from him with some lyrics yeah yeah he went on later to uh, compose the rest of that song. Uh, this is after he had already learned guitar and started to apply music to some of the lyrics that he was writing. And that's the song you have the video of, right? Right. So we're going to hear that at the end of the interview. Good, good, All right. good. And uh, uh, it's called um, Mountains on the Moon. And the first half of the song is about his connection with me or that relationship while I'm in prison. And the second half of the song, which he wrote later, is his connection to his son, Ethan, um, whom he had uh, reduced. He didn't get to see him a lot because he was splitting up with Ethan's mom, and so that caused problems for him. And it was interesting that he finished that, and he sent it to me via, since I've been out, I've been out since January, sent it to me uh, through Facebook, and the first time I read uh, his words, and then started listening to the, the video of him playing this song, I can recall, I'm, now I'm hearing what I remember seeing mm, okay. on that paper that I, that I folded up and put it away uh, so many years ago. You know, even now, just, just talking about it, I feel myself getting emotional. Anytime I see it or I hear it, um, I, I just connect with my son in a way that's I'm always glad for and I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's just it's something in my life that it's extremely powerful, and it's music. He's given me the gift of reaching back to an old time of a lot of pain, mm -hmm. and and bringing it to me in a way that actually heals. So, yeah, it's a really beautiful. Sorry, thing. I just yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, please. I mean, it's it's really powerful and. And uh, it's just, I'm kind of processing too. I mean, you, you went through so much and you went to, you know, you were in such an incredibly dark place and to have the, you know, the music enter in your life and then to be able to share that with your son and then to have this kind of coming back around, yeah. to have this connection. Now, do you guys have any plans on ever, you know, maybe working on stuff together and collaborating? We've given small messages back and forth on on that that's something i really want i want i want to be in a place with him just with each of us having a guitar and whatever happens happens whether it's we play whether it's you create something whether it's we flip them over on our laps and eat lunch on the <laughs> on the back sides of the guitar i don't care um but i know that he's he helped me connect with him and his son, who I've never met. Yeah. I haven't uh, been out to Illinois to see my son yet. That's going to that's going to be a future plan, you know. Since I'm still fresh out here, uh, thankful to be in San Francisco, and that's that's a plan that's on the horizon. And um, it's one of those things when I think about, I, I get real happy inside, and of course it's through my body. So I gotta. It's 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 nice to be happy. It's nice to. Um, feel good about feeling good, which is um, what this whole process has done for me. And, and it got me out of prison. It helped get me out of prison because there was no guarantee of that. Yeah. 
Do you think the music program maybe helped a few other people too? Oh yes. In that sense, facilitating them getting more grounded. And you know, even because uh, it does. If I've never had any discipline in my life, and I want to play guitar, well, I kind of have to. If I want to get at the the base level of playing a couple songs, mm -hmm. I need to discipline my 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 hand to hold something as simple as positions or some fret exercises or things like that just and it sounds simple to anybody who's played the guitar for a while they may have forgotten that but for somebody who's never played mm -hmm. and has not had any self-regulation in their life it's conforming to yourself and what you want to do and giving yourself a chance to learn something to receive something into your life well and i'm also thinking about just the incredible maturity and cooperation it takes to actually function as a band because it's i i yeah because i've been doing this a long time and maturity and, and but i know so many people who are like i want to be in a band i want to play music i want to do this stuff and there's a you know you you got to bring your ego in the room to make the music but you got to know when to let your ego step back yeah and so i can see there's just so many lessons and so many things that that are are learning that probably nobody expected as byproducts, right? You know, but a chance to learn how to cooperate and a chance to to learn how to get past a lot of like you even brought up with the the punk guys and and the the Rasta guy like getting past these conceptions that once they got out, if they still held on to that stuff, isn't going to work for them. Yeah, and so that's really powerful stuff. And you know, and everybody gets their their different lessons too. Yeah. You never know. Um, I think the other thing it does do is give give the person a chance to find out where they get to go and be peaceful. Yeah. Uh, people didn't understand for a long time how some of the hard, heavy music was peaceful for me. And it wasn't so much the input of the loud, aggressive, uh, just noise. And what it was for me was venting. All my, oh, yeah. All my internal noise was going out. And people didn't understand that. Well, sometimes the only other people that are going to understand that are the people that appreciate it for the same reasons. They just hear noise that they'll never want to listen to, and they'll hate it and turn it off. But going through this whole process helped me appreciate so many different styles of music, and not just the playing and the technical aspect, but of where it connects with people. But there's also something really transcendent about when you're playing with music, playing music with other people, and there's a space you go to collectively. And I've been there where it's, there's times where I'm just like, it's, we, we've gone to a different realm where we're no longer individual musicians playing our, our instruments, but we're the group. And right. we've got this group identity and this connection, which people have never felt that. It's, it's a really profound experience, so. You know, as you say that, and I'm gonna ask you, I just gotta mm -hmm. ask you, because um, I, I never put a word to it. I call it the goofy zone. And it could just be me and another guitar player, and we'll play something together. And this happened so many times when I was in prison. Play something together, and for some reason, both of us stopped at the same time and looked at each other and just started laughing. For no reason. Because we were just, just paired up, and, and something really cool happened. Didn't mean for it to happen, it just yeah. did. And we just laughed because nobody in the world had to know about that moment, but right. we did. And that was kind of cool. And I had an awful lot of those. And I learned to have those 
by myself with my guitar. I'm just running some simple pentatonic phrase that I may have done a, a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. For some reason, at this time, in this moment, with whatever was going on, that little three or four licks just did something to me. Like I said, it made me goofy. And I stopped and I just smiled, appreciated it, and on to the next thing, whatever that is. Yeah. Now, are you playing music much now that you're out? Have you? I know you've um, been incredibly busy. I've been incredibly busy. I'm not playing nearly as much. I, uh, when you ask that, I'm kind of embarrassed. I want to play more. Um, time, space are an issue. Um, and I'm in a room about the size of the one we're sitting in. And uh, we got it out. I got it out earlier. Um, first time I went to a guitar shop mm -hmm. ever in life was a guitar center. Oh, I never, sorry, I just never even imagined that up to this point you, there'd been no reason for you to go into, that must have been overwhelming. It was, it was cool. Uh, the second time I ever went, I took Catherine here and it's the kid in the candy store, but I still don't know a whole lot about candy. Right. I got the taste of a little bit and now there's, I'm just overwhelmed by all this, so instead of going to the electrics which i, I want to get better equipped for myself personally with electrics yeah. but i went with the old i went to the acoustic room and sat there and that that was kind of that felt a little more like home mm -hmm. and instead of reaching for one i asked, asked Catherine to just go grab a guitar and just find something and i of course i said find something expensive you know yes and you can there you can find and something so very she grabbed expensive. one i got it in my lap and we sat down and uh I forget what I was doing, but I just ran through exercises, parts of songs, and it was so cool. You know, the room is, is made to, for, for better sound and yeah. stuff, and it was cool. I would, I think I'd feel better if all the other people weren't there, because then I wouldn't feel self-conscious, because I'm still a, a newbie, you know, yeah. even though I've got years behind me and played in concerts, um, you know, the less I play, the farther away I am from feeling like I'm uh, experienced, if you will. But having a guitar in my hands, it, it feels right. Yeah. And, you know, I'll even connect that to with uh, you know, my, rela my relationships, as I did with my recovery. The more I work on them, the better they feel, the better I feel about the doing. And I think the output becomes better. And uh, I connect my lessons with that instrument is, is just, it relates in a lot of different areas of my life. And I never used to see that. And the more that I think about it, the more that I see it. Cool. So do you want to talk about a little bit what you're doing since you've been out? Well, I just got a job as a drug and alcohol counselor, which I was trained in. I had to take a little bit of time off of the music stuff to do this while I was mm -hmm. in prison. And while I was at that prison, that was the last prison I was at, and Solano, I got in their music program uh, right away. They accepted me real easily. And I didn't get a chance to play any concerts with them, but I jammed with them and stuff, and that was cool. Uh, at the time I was there, I got my AA and was able to go to the Board of Prison Terms for a fifth time, and they agreed that I get, got a chance for a second chance out here. And since I've been out here, I've been continuing my school. I'm at City College. I should be a senior at State in January. Um, drug and alcohol counselor now. I've been trained in 
hep C and HIV testing and counseling, and that's something else that I'm passionate about, and, and harm reduction. And, you know, when I came out to San Francisco, I've never lived here before. Mm-hmm. And all the problems that I've heard about while in prison, now that I, I see what's going on, my heart really goes out to the homeless, the addicted, the, the people that are just struggling to make it. They might be in homes, they might be paying their bills, but it's like all they can do to just, just do it. And uh, my heart really goes out to those folks. Yeah. So I'm trying to find where I fit in all that and continue my education. I hope along the way I can find a little more time and space to, uh, to pick up that guitar and, uh, and find some folks that maybe I can play with. Or at least that um, they can laugh at me, <laughs> which is fine because I enjoy it whether it sounds good or not. Hopefully, then, hopefully they'll be laughing with you. Yeah. So that's pretty cool stuff. Is um, one last question I want to talk about, just because it's something we ask a lot of people who come on on the show, is what does music mean to you? You know, when I think about that, I think of how many songs I can listen to are going to take me to a specific place in time and what memories they're going to give me. And then I also think about it's all the music that I have not listened to yet, ever, or even created with myself or another, and what memories are going to be attached to that. So with that, I think about music connecting me all throughout my life and through, throughout all the different events and the people that I've had the good fortune and bad fortune to be a part of because they've all molded me and shaped me to where we are sitting right now. And, and so I think music is, is, a, is a thread. It's a thread that gives me that meaningful connection to anything and everything. And uh, it's interesting that you asked that. You knew you were going to ask that. I didn't. And uh, it's really, it is very powerful if I sit and think about it and relish in the whole uh, bigness of it, yeah. But it's kind of cool. Well, I would. I just want to thank you. This is. I really appreciate you sharing your life and your story with us. And and I, I know the first time you talked to me about this, I was just really moved by it. Oh, cool. And really impressed by the work that you did in there. And then because I've got to know you outside here, and I was impressed by the work you were doing out here. And and uh, I'm excited to see what you do in the future. Me too. Me too. Um, I'm not sure what the future looks like, but I'm in no big hurry to get there. Cool. That's kind of cool. So, well, thank you so much. And, thank you, um, you know, when you start that band, <laughs> we want you back here, okay? Okay, I, I definitely will. I'm going to definitely stay connected. It's yeah. what I do now. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Just 
sleep to see you Oh, 